This is the biggest threat to crypto. And these might be the only projects to survive. Welcome to the Bean Pod. This is your place for all things stocks and crypto. From beginner tips to expert picks, use this as fuel for your investing journey. Because when you're in the know, your money will grow. This episode of the Bean Pod is sponsored by KyberSwap. KyberSwap is a DEX and DEX aggregator, which is built to facilitate all your DeFi needs in one single platform. Fast, cheap, and safe. User experience is KyberSwap's sole focus to make everyone's life better in DeFi. Welcome to the Bean Pod. This is Shane, aka the Jolly Green Investor. This is Josh, the Nifty Investor. Today, we're going to be discussing what might be the biggest threat to crypto right now. This is, in some regards, terrifying because there's a lot of uncertainty, but there's definitely a real world use case for what we're about to discuss. Mm. If this and when this eventually gets rolled out, it could have a massive impact on a number of different crypto projects for varying reasons, which we will discuss throughout this episode. But at the same time, it's something that needs to be discussed now and the importance of the impact that it will have on you as a consumer. Yeah, absolutely. So we're talking about CBDCs. Now, this is a term you've probably heard being thrown around on Twitter, on social media, because it's starting to become a very trendy um, idea in the industry. So it's since for central bank digital currencies. And the difference between these and, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum that we know and love is that these are digital tokens that are pegged to the value of a country's fiat currency. So, you know, everything in the world is going digital. Now, eventually, countries are going to make their own versions of their digital currency. Now, this comes with a lot of pros and a lot of cons. And as you said, massive impact, shockwaves that could be seen through the industry. So, yeah, let's get into it. So... There's not, to, to some regards, there's nothing really new. Like, so, you know, a digital cash, right? That already exists, you know, with our bank accounts, Visa cards, et cetera. What makes this a little bit more differently, different is that they're inherently less volatile. So it's going to give central banks the ability to control the monetary policy a lot easier. So one of the biggest ways that I could see this being used is because of the high inflation. So right now we have the Fed coming out every month discussing, you know, looking at interest rates and then um, talking about, you know, where inflation's at and all these things. But there's this unlimited circulating supply of cash that exists, you know, throughout the world. And the value of the U.S. dollar has actually gone down for this entire time. So your spending power is actually less. With the central bank digital currencies, it's going to be a lot easier for them to control the monetary policy. And it's interesting. These have actually been around for a, a while, eh? Right. Um, they've actually been around. The concept has actually been around for three decades. Wow. Um, the first one was launched by the Bank of Finland in 1993. Mm. Uh, it lost. It kind of lost momentum in the early 2000s, but they have kind of been in, in the works. Um, so yeah, it's just going to give central banks the control over a token. It's interesting, you know, you always see most influencers, most crypto influencers, they just, as soon as anything regulation-wise or CBDC, it's all, this is bad, this is terrible, we're all doomed, the industry's over, regulation is terrible. And, you know, if you've been watching this show for a while, we're of the mindset that we need regulation, we need regulation to come into the space for this, for tons, trillions of dollars to flow into it. And as we just saw with this whole FTX scandal and all the scams in, in the industry, 
we need regulation. There will be some short-term pain, yes, but that's also kind of relates to CBDCs because, yes, there are many downsides and potential risks as CBDs do get rolled out, and we will discuss those later in the episode. But for, you know, we always try to look at both sides of the coin on this show. So I think some of the pros about what CBTs can do need to be discussed. So it's about giving people access to financial services. You know, in the U.S. and many countries, there are a lot of people that are unbanked and they don't get access to a lot of financial help that they could get from the government if they were integrated into the system. Even in the U.S., 5% of adults don't have a bank account. And this is much, much higher as you move out, you know, into second and third world developing countries, right? An additional 13% of U.S. adults have bank accounts, but they're using expensive services like money orders or payday loans or check cashing services, right? So they're getting their money fleeced from them, from these predatory companies that are saying, you know, oh, we'll give you a loan and blah, 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 blah. CBDCs, because they're backed by a central bank and government, and I'm not saying the government is perfect or central banks are perfect, but they can provide households, consumers, businesses access to these services at a probably a less predatory way. And I know people in the comments are going to say government's the worst and, and I don't necessarily disagree, but companies can be even worse and they can run off with your money. The government isn't just going to rug pull everyone, right? Mm. So there are a lot of advantages I know to a, CB, a CBDC getting rolled out that will improve people's lives. Not to say that there aren't downsides, but I think it's worth mentioning that this can actually do some good. Yeah, I mean, when you look at, you know, for example, consensus, which is interesting because consensus, they own MetaMask, right? So it's already collecting our, our data. So we can, we can eventually get into the negatives here. But, you know, when you, when you are on the cons- consensus website and start to dive into why they want to get these CBDCs. So, for example... Ukraine and Turkey have the highest, they're actually the furthest along when it comes to these CBDCs. And it's primarily due to the high inflation that they have. I think Turkey's at like 92% inf- uh, inflation. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Discussing like the fact that we're at 7%, which is wild. But it, you, like to what you said, increase in efficiency of payments, uh, lower transaction costs. So it's really going to help people from that perspective. It's also going to help the banks too, because when you have cash that's just floating around it's really hard to track that so what they're saying is that it'll improve transparency and money flows and could help the, re- the re- reduce the currency substitution that occurs um money laundering for example yep. like it could eliminate the criminalization that actually occurs um so i think that's one of the one of the biggest benefits to the banks yep and to some of the people for sure so now that we've covered the potential pros of CBDCs. Let's let's talk about what people are maybe more familiar with when hearing about CBDCs on social media, which is the potential downside and risk and why a lot of people are worried about this happening. So the first thing that comes to mind is security and privacy, right? If the government is rolling out this digital dollar and they're tracking your name and your household and your business, everything to your one account, and they can see in real time everything you're doing, everything you're spending... Well, there's definite risks here. They're tracking everything you do. And we've seen already in certain countries, the government's starting to pilot programs where, you know, if you do this, there's kind of like that, it's like that Black Mirror episode Mm. uh, where I think it was in China or maybe in the episode it was somewhere different. If you act out, if you cross the street, your your account gets downgraded and then you can't, and if if you tie in CBDCs to this, it's well, oh, well, you're not um, an upstanding citizen. You're no longer able to borrow money or you're no longer able to take out your money or we're freezing your money or we're taking your money, right? 
not to say that this is going to happen for sure, but it is a risk, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's what was a uh, Nigerian government. I believe they were, I think it was Nigeria. It was Nigeria, yeah. yeah. They're preventing people from pulling out 250 more than $250 a week in cash in order to push people into using their digital currency. Yeah. So because everything, you know, blockchain and all this other stuff, like you can, you can control the code, which is going to change your spending habits. And maybe they want you to be spending, the government wants you to spend a little bit more on this sector versus that sector. And if you don't spend it, then the money gets removed. So it could take away from that. You also mentioned privacy and, you know, just how easy hacks occur all the time. What happens if, you know, you put your entire monetary system onto this blockchain and then some crazy Russian hacker gets in there and sucks it dry? It's, it's possible. Right? So that's yeah. a, that's a, it's something that needs to be considered. For the, I think for the masses, it's, uh, you know, Edward Snowden, right? Yep. The famous whistleblower. He, he's been constantly saying, like, avoid these at all costs. He's saying that they're going to drain, drain the people of their savings, almost as though with these central bank digital, digital currencies... They're going to give you X amount. And if you don't spend it by this time, then you don't, you lose it. Yeah. And that's, what's going to help them be able to control inflation. I think they're going to, you know, bump you up a bit, take it away a bit, bump it up a bit, take it away a bit so that they can keep the monetary policy the way they see fit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this concept of timed money, right? So you have this money, but it doesn't last forever. It's almost like something that would occur in like a video game, you know? And I, I don't disagree. I think that, it's going to usher in an entirely new era of monetary policy. And as we've seen with the Fed and monetary policy in the past, they love to experiment. And even if that means completely messing with the economy for years, they want to experiment to find the best possible solution. And when you bring a new, a new technology like CBDCs in, they're bound to make horrible mistakes experimenting with this new technology saying, just like what you said, hey, if, if we if we give them a two-year time limit on their money, then we're going to be able to do this. And then we, we inject a little bit more. And then it happens in practice. And then like, oh, fuck. Yeah. We just completely messed up. That's okay. We'll just try something else. <laughs> and it's really scary to think about that. And again, they're tracking everything you do. So, you know, you pay with, things, pay with something in cash. It can't be tracked. People like a little bit of anonymity in their lives. Once CBDCs take over, this is all gone. And, and, then, and then, you know, maybe for traveling, it's like, oh, well, we know you traveled here and your digital bet, your digital dollars linked to here, but you can't do this. And you said you were doing this and everything being tracked under one thing, including your money is, it's a little scary for me. Or yeah. Or like controlling, you know, how much booze you buy. It's like, oh, you can only buy $50 worth of beer a week yep. or something like that. Like, yeah, you just too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just don't know which direction they're, they're going to head. And this isn't far off. I mean, I think it's still four to five plus years off because a governments tend to move pretty slow, but all it will take is one country to all of a sudden launch theirs. It will s- expedite the process in which these other countries will eventually start rolling theirs out. However, due to the cybersecurity concerns, um, the lack of technology that the government surely has, because I think they're going to have to tap into some of these crypto projects that we will discuss in order to roll this out efficiently. But it has to be perfect because if you put your entire country's monetary system into this, if it goes wrong, you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we know governments move notoriously slow, yeah. and this is something extremely important that they can't make a massive mistake on. So it's going to take years, and if not a decade, to fully roll out, right? There is a pilot program in place next year that the Fed has alluded to, uh, I believe in July 2023. And we're not far off. As of July of this year, 
Um, there were over a hundred CBDCs in research and development. What? How many countries are, are like hundred and seventy years? Yeah, like yeah. Right? yeah. So more than half of the countries are already working or in some sort of exploration phase of CBDCs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's happening. And so this is kind of a, a one thing I really wanted to discuss on this episode is if you think about it. So, say we have a hundred countries doing different research on how best to roll out a CBDC. Now we think of uh, digital currencies on the blockchain. But there's, first of all, there's many different types of blockchains that you can use for a CBDC. You know, it could be your standard blockchain or a distributed ledger or hypergraph or not even on the blockchain at all. I've seen a lot of people saying that CBDCs won't actually be built on the blockchain because of scalability issues. So then it brings me to, I'm thinking about if 100 different countries have their own CBDCs and they're all built on different technology platforms, you know, US is built on hypergraph and Canada is built on the blockchain, Nigeria is built on distributed ledger, DAG, or whatever, the interoperability issues that could be born from this, you know, if you want to send your CBDC from a blockchain to a hypergraph to a non-blockchain, it's not going to work. Mm. So it's almost like through all the experimentation and trial phase, the world is going to have to choose one solution or else cross-border payments and traveling. It's all going to become very difficult because you can't just, you know, on-ramping to a blockchain and then off-ramping onto fiat and then onto it's, it's going to be really difficult, right? Yeah. So I guess like there's, to me, there's like three different ways I can view this. The first one is each, each, each country is going to roll out their own CBDC and thus they're going to need an overledger. So like something like a quant, you know, the true interoperability play that allows all these different currencies to be able to work together. Cause if they are, like you said, if they are ones built on DAG, ones built on hypergraph, et cetera, like it's just not going to work. Because they, they can't communicate, mm. and then the whole global economy just won't don't, won't work. So, I think maybe like a, a quant could potentially be a really good play. Um, hence, why I think that's been one of the strongest performing altcoins throughout this entire bear market. Yeah, but then what's going on with maybe XRP? You know, and the SEC, and and what's going on there? Why is this trial taking so long? Do you think that maybe the SEC is working with XRP to to kind of lay the ground ground roots possibly for these CBDCs? I mean, you know, when you start to talk, move this conversation into altcoins that can potentially benefit from the rise of CBDCs, those are the natural names that come to mind, right? XRP, XLM, these are the um, projects that have been built from the ground up for money transferring. And, you know, they have interesting ties into SWIFT, into the ISO 222 group of cryptos that could potentially be building the next layer of monetary settlements from around the world. So... But yeah, then uh, XRP is embroiled, embattled in this SEC case, which could go either way. So that one's a little risky for me. I do think quant is worth a deeper discussion. As we've covered on recent episodes, they recently partnered with UST, which is a company that is literally empowering banks and capital markets to tokenize their digital assets and currencies. So we see now quant is making inroads with a company that is building CBDCs. And, you know, we did our research for this podcast and I, I can't find a single other altcoin that could potentially latch their, their wagon onto the CBC train like Quant can. One, because they have partnered with this company. And two, what we just talked about with the potential issues for interoperability, right? And Quant is interoperability. Mm. It's a layer zero designed for different blockchains to communicate. So for me, if you're looking for one altcoin that's going to benefit from the rise of CBDCs, it has to be quant. It has to be. I mean, 100%. But 
to more, to what I was saying is the fact that there is possible other possible ways that it could go. I think Quant is definitely the safest bet. Yep. If XRP does win their lawsuit, and the SEC is getting all the information that, that that's required, because I was listening to uh, their policy advisor speak the other day, and he was saying that Ripple's built a CBDC private ledger. Like they already have it available. It's built for payments designed to issue digital currencies. This ledger exists already. The tech, the infrastructure, and the technology is there. Um, the beautiful thing about XRP is the fact that each central bank will have a has its complete sovereignty over how their CBDCs interact with one another. So it almost eliminates the need for a quant because it's, think of it like um, Cosmos, Atom. You know how they have that interconnected blockchain protocol mm, that yeah, we discussed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So each project is sovereign of each other, but they can still communicate even though they're all different. So XRP is going to allow almost like a Cosmos type of system for all the central banks. Interesting. Yeah. yeah so that that could be technology. Cool. So if they do win and they are, this technology is used, that could be almost an eliminating factor for Quant. But that, that would have to assume that then every other country is then also using XRP to build out there right right interesting note on xrp i watched a, a video uh, recently which kind of op- we've always been you know 50 50 <laughs> on xrp to to put it lightly um and this this uh this guy talked about xrp's business model and how it's a massive ponzi scheme how all the partners that they have listed on their website xrp pays them to use ripple and xrp right whereas like traditionally in business the partner pays the company to use their their tech right but Ripple is paying all these companies to use their stuff just so they can put them as partners on the website. And their only business model is XRP sales. That's how they make, they're operating at a loss everywhere across the board because they're paying everyone to use their tech. The only way they make money is by minting and selling their XRP tokens. Mm. And the guy was like, this is not a sustainable business model. You cannot operate. This, This will only run until X amount when some of the partners leave or whatever. So... I'm not sure about XRP, but anyway, I thought I had to mention no, it. No, for sure. So yeah. th- the one project that we have kind of been hot, high up on in our, um, did we do we did Truth About XRP or was it a crypto not to buy? Uh, I think we did Truth About Truth <laughs> okay, About, yeah. yeah. Well, we discussed XLM. Yep. And the fact that we like Stellar. Um, they're not caught up in this court case or whatever. The thing I wanted to highlight about uh, Stellar and XLM is the fact that they're already being utilized by over 300 banks across 45 different countries. So they kind of already have the inroad that mm. is, and they're, they're being used. Yeah. So I use Stellar to send money. That's the only one I, pretty much the only one I use. Quick and cheap. Money. How good? Yeah. Right. Um, but and then yeah, so we're talking about you know Quant, XRP, XLM. These are the ISO two zero zero two two cryptos. And wasn't there one other one in that group that you wanted to mention that maybe it's it's a project that we like, and you know obviously we're speculating, but could some way, shape, or form tie into CBDCs? So yeah, I mean that one is Algorand. Um, created by an MIT professor. I know that MIT is the university that the Fed is partnering with to create these CBDCs. So mm. it's just like a, a forward-thinking, connecting-the-dots possibility yeah. that it could occur. It's worth mentioning, for sure. Because Algorand is you know, super light, lightweight, fast, secure, cheap, all these things. So it kind of takes all the boxes. And it is in that ISO standard that we've discussed. And it's interesting because regulators are trying to uh, get all digital assets to fall in line with their view of interoperability. So a lot of the projects we've discussed are actually on this ISO 2002 yep. standard. Um, and Algorand is also one of them. So Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at uh, 
altcoins or tokens that could potentially ride the wave of CBDCs, it has to be the ones that fit in with the regulations, right? Because this is government tech. It's going to be rolled out in a very regulated way. So anything that is any sort of shady stuff going on is going to be pushed to the side. It, it might be these ISO coins that eventually kind of ride onto it or quant, which seems to be getting in bed. But, you know, the real danger of CBDCs is that there will be no limit to the level of control that the government can exert on people or businesses. And I think that's, I'm I'm reading A Brave New World right now, which Mm. is a book about a dystopian future. And I see like parallels between like, I'm like, oh, that society would definitely have a CBDC where they control everyone and, you know, they take their money away and you have to spend your money within a year and you can't buy drugs or alcohol and you can't do this. And it's like, oh, well, this is a crazy world that we might be going into. And honestly, it seems like the path forward for, for better or for worse, but it's scary. But on this show, we talk about, investing opportunities and we probably can't influence the cbdc's in the government but maybe by understanding what some of these projects we talked about today we could ride the tailwinds yeah and i mean so these these crypto i think the central banks are gonna have to turn to the crypto companies because they already have these crypto companies already have like a massive amount of developers working on them the the central banks already so far behind so they're gonna have to turn to one of these but what I've learned is that the central banks are probably going to be using permission versions, which means it's not going to actually have an effect on the actual token price itself if they so choose uh, Algorand, for example. However, because speculation will occur, you could see a run-up of these prices of the tokens we discussed today. By the rumors of the news, right? Yeah. As soon as a rumor comes out that any altcoin is working with the Fed or working with whatever for CBDCs, that thing could potentially rip. So if we ever hear about anything like that happening, we will be the first to let you know in our Discord, on our Twitters, and on this show. So if you like this kind of content, make sure to like and subscribe. And one more thing I want to mention is because of how far out that this these CBDCs are, I believe, um, if they're four to five years out, I think we can still squeeze in Let's say it wipes out all projects. We got one more bull run. One more bull run on us, baby. <laughs> all right. I like it. So, I like it. So don't don't tune out yet because he still has some altcoin bangers for you. Yeah, yeah, we got you. But make sure you guys tune into the next episode. Because that one's gonna be a banger. All views expressed by speakers on the Bean Pod are solely their opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed on the Bean Pod as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a specific strategy, but only as an expression of their opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only.